Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and good to be with you here on The Great America Show. And I want to say thank you, first of all, to you, to everyone listening who've been downloading our podcast because our audience numbers, frankly, are rising dramatically each week. And to be uh, just absolutely straight about it, we're growing even faster than I ever imagined possible a few weeks ago. So thank you. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us whenever you can. And uh, we're still a little acorn trying to be an oak, but uh, our, our acorn's getting bigger because of you, and we appreciate it. I also want to thank the legendary broadcaster, Mark Simone, for his friendship and his terrific support. Joe Piscopo, Kevin McCullough, Eric Metaxas, they've been terrific as well. And thanks to Steve Bannon for his nice shout-out on his highly successful podcast, The War Room. Bannon himself, a warrior and a pal. Speaking of warriors, we're all in the fight of our lives in this country. It's we the people versus the establishment elites. No matter what anyone tells you, it's that straightforward. It's right against wrong. It's conservatives and independents and most Republicans versus Democrats, radicals, and Marxists. And some are fighting harder than others. Many of us have to fight harder And many find that fight tough, uphill, and often lonely. But it is the fight of our lives, and we're fighting for this country. I consider myself to be first an American, a constitutional conservative, a populist, and a Republican. And when I say populist, a lot of people ask me what that means. Well, to me, it means you're for the people and are still, no matter what, of the people. And I believe that is the essence of being American. I want to do something a little different today uh, on the Great America Show. Uh, I want to introduce you to a terrific guy, a great American who has uh, done the impossible. He has been the political uh, version of David versus Goliath in the great state of New Jersey. Uh, and he's a, he's a truck driver. And now he's also a, a New Jersey state senator because he knocked over the most powerful uh, Democrat in the state legislature. He did so by a margin of a little over 2,000 votes. It was a cliffhanger, a nail biter all the way to the end uh, back in November. And he now is uh, uh, the winner, uh, He, uh, even though it was contested there for a while. And he is just about to take on the establishment. Uh, It's a part-time job, but he'll find taking on the establishment, I assure you, to be a full-time job. Uh, Please welcome to the Great America Show, Ed Durr. Uh, I I love to say this, Ed. 
uh, a truck driver and uh, and uh, state senator. There's a combination you don't often hear a lot. First, congratulations on your win, and tell us how it feels right now. Well, thank you very much for that, Lou. Uh, it feels really good. Uh, although my daughter actually takes a little problem with how the mainstream media always portrays and says a truck driver beats the Senate president when because she takes it that they were meaning it in a very disparaging way. And so I say, look, as long as they're saying my name right, I don't care how what they say <laughs> or anything. Well, and when I say it, I say it with great respect. Uh, I want to get into what truck you do drive because I, I, I'm one of those guys who drives trucks myself. I don't call myself a truck driver, uh, but I was driving a truck uh, at the age of 14. Uh, I was raised, both of my parents worked, uh, and I was taught very early and throughout my life to respect a man or woman for what they do. Uh, for the jobs they have, and I don't care what they pay, what the jobs are, a, a man and a woman respect others uh, for the fact they have a job and that they work hard uh, for their families. And by the way, that means they're working for all the rest of us too and this great country. So when I say it, I say it proudly uh, for any man, any woman in this country uh, we need to get back to respecting people and anybody who denigrates another person for their job title, the hell with them. That isn't the way America was built, and it isn't the destiny uh, for this nation to have a bunch of people looking down their noses at other Americans. It just doesn't work like that, do you think? Well, I thank you for that. I agree. I, I am very proud of my profession, and I think everybody should take a little pride in their job. It doesn't matter whether you be a truck driver, a doctor, a lawyer, or a trash collector, uh, whether you be an accountant. If you are doing your job and you're doing it honestly, you, you should take pride in it, and people should respect you for your job. I don't care if you're flipping hamburgers at McDonald's. It, it doesn't matter. You're doing a job and you're getting up every day and you're earning a Absolutely. living. Absolutely. And if you've spent any time on the road and, and my wife and I take some road trips occasionally, uh, I mean, when you see these big 18 wheelers and box trucks rolling down the road, uh, I mean, there are more trucks than ever on these roads and this country needs trucks and truck drivers more than ever. Uh, the, you see nearly every truck, uh, as you go down the road, uh, said we're hiring uh drivers want it uh so people better uh, wake up to the fact that we need everybody in this country to make this country work and uh, respect is due each and every citizen of this country uh and i'll tell you i you know i love truck drivers because uh, it's sort of part of my background and truck drivers got us through covid they've gotten us through uh, you know so much in this uh in this country's uh, lifespan, uh, and we'll do so uh, forward. I, I want to ask you, how? what kind of truck do you drive? Well, right now I'm driving a uh, Cascadia Freightliner. Uh, mm. I work I work for Raymore and Flanagan, so I'm a company driver. I, I used to do over the road for another company back in the day, and I, I've been into all pretty much all the states. Uh, I'm very proud of my record. I have over 2 million miles driven oh. on the highway. And 
you know, I'm, I have a clean record. I've never hit another vehicle. I've been hit a few times in the rear and on the side from a couple cars, not paying attention. I guess they don't see that 80 feet of tractor trailer, <laughs> but you know, I, I am very proud of my record. Yeah, that, that 80 feet will include what 52 feet of trailer and the and the tractor yeah and, and that freight liner is a wonderful for folks who don't know that uh, freight liner uh along with mac and kenworth uh you know these are these are great uh great truck brands uh it's just uh you know i you're you're driving quite a machine there i'm, I'm impressed well, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm. I've driven the Max. I've driven Kenworth. I had the Peterbilt. You know, I've I've driven pretty much every truck. Uh, you speaking of when you were a kid, fourteen. Uh, I, that's how I learned. My dad, you know, just you know, put me behind the wheel of vehicles when I was fourteen, fifteen years old. Right. You know, taught me how to drive. I actually did not know you needed a special license when I first dri started driving uh, commercial vehicles. Yeah, I would. I, I remember uh, as a kid, uh, I, I was driving a, a, a international uh, with a, a little, you know, we had a little trailer on the back that we could put twenty-two tons of hay on, and it, it was just such great fun. And I never, you know, you feel like a man no matter what your age. And uh, you know, I was underage, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, to be driving that thing but that's when you you know it's just it's just a great experience for particularly a young guy uh the the idea that this country right now uh, is you know like your daughter said I, I mean there is this view about people looking down or taking offense i mean it's all there in one big brew in this country but the fact is you did something that every American dreams of. You talk about Mr. Durr goes to Washington. Well, Mr. Durr <laughs> goes to Trenton. And I, I got to believe most Americans all over this country were, are just still cheering you to this day. Uh, what has been the reaction of the Republican? I, and I've got to start here. What's been the reaction, uh, first of all, uh, of your neighbors, your friends, your family uh, to your achievement? Well, uh, I, it, it's it's been a great uh response from everybody everybody's just in all and you know very happy for me my family has i mean i wouldn't have done this without my family support they've been right. by my side they were by my side the night we uh watched the election results and found out that i was going to win i mean i kind of you know people don't believe me but i kind of knew i was going to win week before the election just by the responses i was getting on the campaign trail i just knew that people were ready to vote i just knew that they were going to come out in a lot stronger numbers than they ever had and that's and that gave me confidence that you know this is going to be my year now people were saying i want to correct something on the record people had this ridiculous idea that you had only spent something like 150 bucks a year <laughs> election that turns out to be wildly inaccurate that was just for the primary you spent right over $2,000 for the general election. Who ever heard of such a thing? God bless you. I mean, that's amazing. How did you do it? Well, first off, that number is incorrect too. It, it, uh -oh. was, close, it, it was closer to over five, $6,000. Oh total. man. Now I'm disillusioned, Ed. I know. I know it's a, <laughs> but it's still, it's still, it's still a far cry from a million point eight. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I just did it with the old fashioned way, Lou. I went out there and I 
knocked the doors. I gathered a team. I had great volunteers with people like Maureen McCabe. I had Tilly. I had Norm Davidson. I, I had my counterparts running. I had, you know, Jonathan Sammons, who ran for sheriff in Gloucester County and won, by the way, the first African-American to ever win sheriff in Gloucester County. Outstanding. Uh, Nick DeSilvio and Chris Conowell, who both won county commissioners. We walked out together. You know, I then there was my running mates, Beth Ann McCarthy Patrick and Beth Sawyer, who also, you know, won the assembly seats. This was not just a, a you know, we were kind of talking about it last night at dinner, and they were saying, Ed Durr, Ed Durr. And I says, No, it's Ed Durr, the movement. It was everybody. We all won. And 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 so to speak. I have become bigger than myself. It is the movement, we the people. And that's what I want to keep instilled in people. They could see that with hard work, you can actually make a difference. You can get in there and win something that most people said it was impossible, as you right. used the term David versus Goliath. Well, literally, it's funny when you use that term because I had said it early on, and there was a woman who actually wrote a a blog about me who gave me uh, an endorsement through the uh, New Jersey Philly pack, you know? Right. Yeah. You, you know, when we talk about David versus Goliath, some people think that's a little bit of overstatement and perhaps I was being a little hyperbolic, but uh, people have to understand uh, that the Senator you ran against the incumbent, uh, the longest serving Senator uh, in New Jersey state history, Sweeney is, is, was a powerhouse and uh, a, a man that of all of the all of the incumbents you could have chosen to run against the most powerful, the most entrenched, uh, the most establishment and the great legislative pal. Uh, he was the yang to Governor Murphy's yang. And together, I mean, they were taking this state, uh, they, they were taking it down uh, to a level we just couldn't have imagined with heavy taxation, with outrageous ra regulation, uh, and what is a just solid left-wing uh, agenda that everybody in this state who has any sense is hoping will be broken with uh, Sweeney's defeat, and you're uh, taking his uh, seat in Trent. Your thoughts? Well, it was, you know, as some argue, have even argued that he was the most powerful person in New Jersey, mm -hmm. given the fact that he decided what bills would go before Governor Murphy. But, you know, he chose not to do his job for these last 20 months when the COVID hit. Governor Murphy started ruling by fiat, you know, and... Yep. And Senator Sweeney did not push back, did not challenge him on any subject matter. And you watch people suffering. They weren't they weren't getting unemployment checks. They weren't able to use DMV. You had the nursing home deaths. You had the one third small businesses close up permanently. You had people leaving the state left and right. I mean, seven out of 10 moves were out of the state. You know, you cannot continue to. And then on top of that, you're telling people they can't go to church when when uh, your religion is the most important to you, especially in time of crisis. And, you know, when you when, you know, now we know more about the virus, but in the beginning, it was scary to a lot of people. And to yeah, tell yeah. somebody they couldn't go to God and pray, that, that's that's just wrong. 
Yeah, it, there was so much wrong with how the Democratic, uh, uh, particularly the Democratic governors in this uh, country reacted. Uh, they used it as, frankly, a, uh, a rationalization for their own authoritarian impulses. And as you said, uh, whether it is Murphy in New Jersey, whether it is uh, Cuomo uh, or was Cuomo in uh, New York yeah. uh, and, and Gavin Newsom in California, whoever it is. They ruled by fiat, and they meant for people to follow their orders, follow their mandates. Now we have in Washington, of course, uh, the, uh, the the chief uh, mandator, uh, J- uh, Joe Biden, is president, and it's. Uh, I think he's getting the message after seeing what happened, for example, in Virginia, uh, what happened uh, in New Jersey with your race and the and the ascendancy of other Republicans as well. Uh, not many, but some uh, into the state legislature, uh, I think they're getting a bit of a wake-up call. I don't know that uh, that Murphy, the Democratic governor of this state, is, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if he can assimilate the data that has been put in front of him uh, because he is so arrogant and so uh, elitist that, that it's stunning. Uh, the commercials that we're running about him, uh, he showing him saying basically to people if taxes high taxes is your problem your issue then new jersey probably isn't the state for you you know if every person in the state didn't say you know then the hell with you governor uh i I can't believe he got well i can believe because the the registration for democrats is massively uh, uh beyond that of republicans but the idea that we would put a man in office who talked to the people that way is just so ignorant of him. And I think, unfortunately, uh, the people in New Jersey need to rise up on this and just stop it before it gets worse. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, he was very arrogant. I, I was truly pulling for Jack Cittarelli. He, he's not only was the guy I wanted for governor, but I consider Jack a friend. I've known Jack for three years. And he supported me and he, you know, he believed in me and he, well, he sure he, came close, didn't he? He did come close. And the, the, the it wasn't just the taxes quote. I mean, he clearly says he, that the bill of rights is above his pay grade. Well, he clearly doesn't understand it with his <laughs> mandates and, you know, executive orders. He, he thinks that he can tell people, well, you have to take this injection or you don't have a job. So now he's threatening your life and your livelihood. He's created his own problems by firing people because they won't submit to his whims. You know, he's ignoring religious and personal freedoms of choice. I mean, I'm not telling you a person whether the injection is right or wrong. That's for each person to decide. You bet. Absolutely. For for me, I, I, personally believe everybody should make their own health choice, not the government. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, This country, if we lose our right of choice, uh, we are in real trouble uh, because this is, when you mandate a vaccine, that wasn't even done for the SARC polio vaccine. Uh, This is a a country of citizens. We're to be informed by our government. by the way, they instead of informing us now, misinform us or disinform mm-hmm. us. Uh, we have propaganda operations instead of news outlets uh, amongst our, our national media. Uh, it, it's very difficult for the American people to get the straight the straight scoop 
uh, on anything. Uh, and, and thank goodness uh, we have so many platforms and uh, different uh, outlets for news and information, because otherwise this country right now, if we were left to the devices of these two political parties and uh, the elites, the globalist elites of Wall Street, uh, corporate America, uh, we would be in so much trouble. It's it's just uh, it's fearsome to think about, uh, and to see you win again. I bring it back uh, to your victory. Uh, the people in New Jersey have got to be feeling better about themselves and more hopeful. Uh, and 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 people don't realize it. And I should say to all of the people who don't live in the great state of New Jersey. Uh, your taxes, you better be thankful because your taxes are, are much lower than uh, than I assure you that we pay in this state. Uh, we live on a farm up in northwest uh, uh, New Jersey, up in uh, Sussex County. Uh, beautiful. We've been here for almost 40 years. Uh, but what they're trying to do is suffocate uh, people uh, with property taxes, with millionaire taxes, with every kind of tax you can imagine. Uh, and, and the state just can't stand that, Ed. I mean, it just can't stand it. I know you ran on lower taxes. You believe in that. Uh, but I, I want to turn, if I may, before, you know, in that sense, I want to turn to why you did run, because I also uh, am a believer in the Second Amendment. Uh, I'm more than a believer. I'm a, I'm a righteous believer in, in the Second Amendment in this country. I think it's fundamental to our rights uh, as citizens. And that's what that is what prompted you to run, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I believe that every individual should have the right of self-protection. No government should be able to tell an individual that their manner in which they can protect themselves. And so when I went to apply for a concealed carry, I've had my you know, firearms purchase license and then right. I went for a concealed carry and I was laughed at saying there's not a chance in the world you're going to get this. I mean, yeah, New Jersey technically has concealed carry, but it, it's it's a it's a dream to get it for unless you're politically connected, you know. <laughs> I mean, because they have this uh, written statement of justifiable need. Well, that that's that's a judgment call. How do you prove justifiable need? Mm -hmm. I mean. I had justifiable need. Uh, there's gangs down the street or you're, you work in a bad area or you, or you carry the bank deposits for a store or, or a jewel company, you know, but that doesn't matter. Uh, a mom who's separated from an abusive husband needs a protection. Can't get one. This, this state is ridiculous with tell. And then the, on top of it, they go and make law after law after law about the guns that have nothing to do with criminals and it only hurts the law-abiding citizen. Yeah, I went down to the to the barracks to state patrol uh, when I wanted to buy a, a pistol uh, years ago. And I thought, well, I'll just get a, you know, I've, I've had people, well, I've had incidents uh, in which people have, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I'll just say it straight out, shot at us. And I said, you know, I told myself, well, heck, we'll just get uh, concealed carry as well. You know, we live on a farm, so we can be armed at any time uh, here on the farm. 
but I wanted to get that concealed carry, just as you're talking about. And the sergeant, I'll never forget, he said, well, Mr. Dobbs, uh, you know, this just won't happen, just so you know. <laughs> and, I, and, of course, everybody knows in the state of New Jersey that you just can't get a concealed carry uh, permit, no matter uh, any of the circumstances, uh, as you've just described them, Ed. Uh, what what do you th- what do you think is going to be uh, the reception in Trenton, uh, in the state legislature, to your ideas? Uh, what do you think you face? Well, I mean, clearly, I've had as you were speaking, uh, it's really been a resonating factor throughout the state because I've gotten emails and phone calls and letters from people all over the state you know, congratulating me also asking for my input in certain areas. Uh, As far as my reception to, I've had a very good reception to my fellow Republicans when we had the caucus a few days after the election. As far as the Democrats, I have not really spoken to any other than having that phone call with Senator Sweeney. So I look forward to this. Hopefully we can work together to make New Jersey better for the citizens. If not, then they are going to have to tend with me because I will make their life miserable because I'm here for the people. <laughs> well, God bless you. Uh, I, I do. I have to say, uh, Sweeney, after basically saying that uh, he, he wanted to recount, he was going he, that he wasn't going to concede. He ultimately did the right thing and did concede. Uh, how was that phone call with uh, with Sweeney? Well, as I said, you know, I mean, it went very well. He and I, you know, had a very pleasant conversation. And I just, you know, told him, that, you know, if there was anything he, he ever needed, just to reach out. Yep. Well, uh, so what do you think uh, of high taxes, uh, the mandates, the, uh, I mean, they throw on everything in the book at this state. Uh, what are going to be your priorities to move through the legislature? Well, absolutely. The uh, cost of living, the taxes is going to be forefront. I do think that uh, I have a very simple look on things, I guess. Uh, it seems to make sense to me. You tell me if it makes sense. If you have lower uh, business taxes, you have more businesses come to the state. If you have more businesses come to the state, you have more jobs. If you have more jobs, more people are working. If more people are working, there's more taxes revenue for the state. Absolutely. Uh, seems, seems like it makes sense, right? It, it makes all the sense in the world. And you know what else? If you have a state government that is growing, and if you have a state government that has higher bills for pensions of former employees of the state, uh, you have a huge problem. And when the taxpayers, uh, and I think this is one of the most stunning situations, it, it's not just New Jersey, but across the country. Public employee unions have the most generous retirement and health care benefits in the country. And that means that a taxpayer who is making on average, let's uh, let's call the number uh, an average around the country, it's going to be right at $50,000 a year. And you've got employees in uh, state government, county government, local government, uh, making a lot of money with huge, huge uh, pension uh, liabilities as a result of uh, their employment uh, in, in municipal government, state, county, uh, you name it. Uh, that just can't go on. And we've got to make this country make sense. We're, we've, we've created a, a class of citizen uh, that uh, goes beyond the people. It makes no sense to me whatsoever that the average pay for an American 
would be a half as much as the benefits for a retired public employee. That's insane. Well, what's even worse than that is on the average, you have a lot of these state employees work and the, and get their retirement and their pension, and then they leave the state. So the state that's paying all the taxes, all the money to them, they go and run to a state where they live cheaper on the dollar. So now you're not even reaping the benefits of them spending their money here in the state. Now there's now they're taking it out of the state. Uh, absolutely. And uh, what else are you? Uh, what else are you expecting when you get to Trenton? Uh, you, you think you're going to have a warm, uh, first of all, a warm reception from the Republican Party and the Republican leadership? Uh, it's still about two to one in the Senate, right? Uh, the uh, Democratic advantage over Republicans. Oh, uh, no, no. We, we closed the Senate. It's uh, 24-16 in the Senate, and it's the assembly that is a little closer also. Both of them, I believe, are obtainable goals in 23 to actually turn Republican. Uh, as far as the reception goes, I had a very pleasant reception the first time I met several of the senators, you know, my fellow senators in uh Trenton and I've had several conversations with the you know chosen uh, majority or you know, Republican leader in S Senator Orho and I've I've spoken to Senator Scanlon and then Senator Panaccio. so I, I've had very pleasant conversations and I'm already friends with Senator Mike Testa down here in the first so I I feel I'll be well looked after you know guide it well i mean because clearly i'm i'm not a person who's been in politics all his life so i'm going to be learning on the curve so to speak but i'm i'm a quick learn so i don't fear too much going in there well i don't think you, i never thought for a moment you'd be afraid uh or even uh, tentative uh, i'm just uh, i'm just curious about the warmth of the welcome and it sounds like uh that uh, you've made an impression on them. So uh, I know you will make an even greater impression in the, in the years ahead. And I want to, I want to leave you with the last word. I do uh, going into your last word, want to say to you again, congratulations on your victory. Uh, and we thank you for being with us here. And I hope you'll come back to the great America show often uh, and uh, tell us about your progress and that of the, of the state of New Jersey's progress as a result uh, of your election and and others like-minded uh you get the last word ed well i thank you that for that lou and uh I'll, I'll absolutely come back anytime you have me i mean i would like that to be able to you know because like i said i firmly believe in a transparency and it would be great to have a, a way to inform people what's going on as far as the last word i i just want people to understand that this was not an ed der moment it was a Republican. It was a conservative because I also consider myself to be a constitutional conservative. I believe yeah. in we the people. And this was for we the people. They stood up. I had great help in this, like I said, with all my candidate, fellow candidates. And then I had my county chair, Jackie Vigilante, and her political consultant, and Steve Cush. They they guided me in this pathway. And I, I'll tell you one thing. If people want to run, they should get involved and run. And always take the advice of people who've been in the in the uh, 
field and know what they're talking about because I was a novice and advice helps. Well, you know, uh, wise counsel always does and uh, wherever we find it, uh, Ed, it's, uh, it's great of you to spend some time with you. And I'm sure that the audience has enjoyed learning more, uh, about, uh, your victory, uh, and that of the people in New Jersey. I want to say, I think it's also a victory for the people of America. You're an inspiration. Uh, this is the way American government is supposed to work. Uh, and uh, God bless you, and we wish you all the very best. Again, proud of you, Ed, and come back soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lou. We're coming right back with more of The Great America Show. Stay with us. The Biden White House is having its troubles, and there's no sign that anyone in President Biden's cabinet is particularly organized around the principle established by former President Trump. That is, of course, America first. The same is true of the Radical Dems' leadership on Capitol Hill. America first isn't exactly one of their fundamental propositions or values. That may be the reason Speaker Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader lack obvious regard and affection for our guest on this episode of The Great America Show. There are other strong differences between the Radical Dems on Capitol Hill and our guest, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She believes in our Constitution, our nation, and our fundamental American values. A businesswoman, she and her husband, Perry, own a construction and renovation company. She's mother of three children, a Christian. The congresswoman believes in strong faith and strong families. And I'm delighted now to welcome Congresswoman Green to the Great America Show. Great to have you with us. Welcome. Well, thank you. And it's so great to be with you, Lou. I'm a big fan of yours for a long time. Well, I'm a fan of yours, uh, and I have to say thank you first uh, for your kind words, but I, I mean, you are going straight at them, and I like that uh, in any one of our elected officials, and it's a, it's a rare thing indeed. I, I want to start, if I may, uh, with just the attitude of the, the Democratic leadership and the Republican leadership, for that matter toward you and several other strong representatives of their constituents uh, and what you think the reason for it is? Well, you know, they're used to having members of Congress after they're elected. Freshman members uh, usually come to Washington and learn from the leaders of their conference, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, on how to do the job. And that's what typically happens in Washington. I call that joining the swamp. And I did exactly oh. the, op the opposite of that. Well, good for you. And I, I have to say, I think you're exactly right. There is too much uh, swamp gas in the air there uh, for comfort. And certainly to, you know, I think there's another thing going on too, but I, I'm going to say this uh, as well, as carefully as I can, I, I think there are some people a little surprised to see strong women stand up and say, you know, this is uh, who we are and you're going to have to deal with it uh, just as you all have to deal with them. Uh, what do you think? Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, you see, the, the left has been defining what it's like to be a woman for decades now. They have defined us as women who, who want careers and don't care about taking care of the home and don't care about taking care of our children. They've defined us as women who believe abortion is not only a choice, but that believe it and call it women's health care. 
and believe that that's the right thing to do over deciding to be a mother, um, even if it even if it was unplanned. And so the left is is not used to women coming out and and going against the narrative and and proclaiming boldly and proudly that we're Christians, that we love our families, that we believe uh, raising our children in our pro-America Christian faith um, is the right way to raise our children. And they're not used to women in leadership, especially Republican women, because Republican women are usually quiet and just do as they're told in the Republican conference. But they're just not used to women like me. And you know what that really means, Lou? It means they're totally disconnected with what it means to be a real American woman, a woman that's proud of our country and our freedoms, um, a woman that's proud of, of being a wife and a mother, and a woman that will fight like hell against anybody that will try to take that away from us. And so they've been shocked by me and several others. <laughs> well, all I can say to that is hallelujah. Uh, that to me uh, is wonderful uh, because it means you're giving some instruction there to some people who really need it, and the country uh, needs you and your voice. Uh, we, uh, you know, I just can't tell you how much uh, I, I respect you for what you're doing uh, and the people you're taking on, uh, man. Oh man, I, it's a it's quite a place that you're uh, working in, but you've uh, got that already figured out. I, I've got to compliment you as well on your, uh, you were recently the uh, the target of former Navy SEAL, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, uh, <laughs> who, if uh, anyone in our audience doesn't know, had the real bad judgment to refer to the House Freedom Caucus as a bunch of grifters and performance artists. Uh, and there's a man standing up with his eye patch uh, and a, a pose. Uh, and I can't tell you what the last thing he did uh, that was constructive for the Republican Party, but maybe he did. Uh, and I'm, I just want to tell you, I just love your response. Uh, the Congresswoman responded to Crenshaw uh, and his comments by saying he's shooting blanks. Uh, did, have you heard from the congressman? Did he say any of this to you in person uh, at all? No, he didn't. And I saw him quite a few times last week. He had the opportunity to apologize. Uh, he was, you know, standing within a few feet of me multiple times on the House floor when we were voting for hours, actually, last week. And he never apologized, never, um, never even cared to try. And the reason why I said he's shooting with blanks is, is my reference to that is, is his uh, accusations and his attacks on me and members of the Freedom Caucus are empty. They're completely empty because he's he was saying that we're not conservative and he was saying, you know, calling us performance artists when in fact he's the one that did uh, videos of himself and campaign ads like he was Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible, you know, movie jumping out of airplanes. And so I'm just tired of Republicans in our yeah. conference that want to act like they're conservative, but they don't know how to vote that way. Yeah, this is well said, and uh, and Congressman Crenshaw, I've got to give him credit. I and, and Congressman, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna differ from you from one little aspect there, is I thought that was a pretty inventive little commercial that he ran. Uh, the problem is, I just don't think he does much. I mean, I respect the man mightily for his service to the country, uh, but he has been a real disappointment in terms of his ideology. 
uh, and uh, and what he supports. Uh, your thoughts on on his politics? Well, I'm like you. I loved his campaign ads and and respect him greatly for his military service to our country. I, I don't think anyone could ever question that or or say anything Certainly. negative about that. And and no one should. I would defend him all day long on that, and um and and, and appreciative for him. But you know, when it comes to voting, that is that is our actions and that is our job performance. And legislation and voting is so important, and that's why our votes matter. I've spent uh, most of the year roll calling votes, Lou, and, and not allowing Congress to vote uh, by voice, which I think is appalling to me. I Good can't even you. believe it ha- has happened. But our our job performance is important, and you know, conservative review is a great scorecard. It's it's a great place for people to look for Americans to go to the website and look up how we vote and look up and see who are the real conservatives in Congress. And I would encourage any Republican voter um, and Democrat voters alike to go to conservative review and look up our scores. And you'll find I've got a very good passing grade. I think I have a one hundred. Um, and I can't say that for my my fellow colleagues. And that's the problem with the Republican conference is too many Republicans talk like a conservative on Fox News and on other shows and on the campaign trail. But then when it comes to the real job performance, which is voting and legislation, they fail miserably. And so that's why you hear me oftentimes attacking my Republican colleagues just as much as I attack Democrats, because if our conference did the job that we say we're about, we wouldn't be facing all the nightmares we're facing right now in our country. I think you're exactly right. And I also think that uh, rhinos uh, are the, are as big a problem as the radical Dems. Uh, the I agree. The Republican Party can't survive with that kind of nonsense going on where it doesn't mean anything. I mean, what they're basically saying in the party is it doesn't matter. If, whether you're really a Republican or not, just so you get that R behind your name uh, and you can vote with, uh, for example, as 13 of your colleagues did, vote for the uh, Build Back uh, Better legislation in the House. Uh, and 13 of them made it possible for it to advance to the Senate. I mean, that's outrageous. And where was it McCarth- McCar- Kevin McCarthy says that it promised everybody that wouldn't happen. The next thing we know, it happened. And then it happened, and there was no accountability, no recourse whatsoever from the leadership, as far at least uh, publicly. Your thoughts? Well, we haven't seen any yet, but I've I've heard that there will be. That is what I've heard with my own ears, and I'm looking forward to that happening. And we, I think it'd be remiss for us not to acknowledge who the biggest problem is, and that's Mitch McConnell and the Senate. Mitch McConnell is such a failure to Republicans all over the country. I mean, he, I don't even know how he keeps Republican by his name. He's nothing but a Democrat. He's helping Joe Biden pass his agenda and the night him leading 18 other Republican senators to pass the infrastructure bill, which gave way and cover for 13 traders in the house, uh, Republican members in the house to vote for that infrastructure yep. bill is unforgivable, absolutely unforgivable. And so, you know, you always hear the phrase or they they tell us the phrase, vote your conscience, vote your district. No, I'm sorry. If you're a Republican, we should be voting the values that we proclaim to believe and the values that we promise to our voters. It's not about voting your conscience or your districts. It's about voting what exactly we say we're going to do. And that's why these these Republican 
seats that cross the aisle and vote to help Joe Biden and the Democrats, who I call communists, Lou, and I'm not ashamed to call them that because they're destroying our country. Those are the ones that have to go and they need to be replaced. You know, this this word communist, uh, by the way, I, I use that as a derogatory term as well as a very specific term for for communists uh it, it's a, a communist in, in my book is lower than a snake's belly and and, and an enemy of this of the of our capitalist system uh, they're enemies of this uh, great nation our great re- constitutional republic uh, and, and and i just don't understand why this uh, they're they're so reluctant to take the name that they really really deserve they're trying to put together not just socialism they're trying to take an authoritarian uh precept uh and and apply it across the entire government and they're getting very close i have to say we're seeing these mandates whether it's for vaccines whatever it may be these executive orders emanating from the white house who in the hell does joe biden think he is who do these radical Dems think they are? Well, I'll tell you exactly who they are. They are communists. And it's a difficult word to understand and for most Americans to really swallow down. Because when we think of communists, we think of pictures that we've seen of people standing in, in the cold and bread lines with scarves tied, tied around their head. We think of extreme poverty. But that's not really how communism starts. It does end up that way for many and in a lot of countries. But it doesn't start out that way. It starts just like it's happening here in America, where everyone is busy working and they're busy with their lives and they aren't taking the time to pay attention to the authoritarian Marxist actions of the people in charge. And just like you mentioned with these vaccine mandates that are so unconstitutional and and they're pushing government uh, force through private businesses on private Americans and on on the employees of these companies, it's so wrong. And that is authoritarianism, but it's because it's communism. And when we're seeing the people in charge, the president of the United States, using his power and and wielding his his control over the FBI and the Department of Justice to to go after Americans that were at the Capitol on January 6th and go after and target with a two-tier justice system, Americans that rioted at the Capitol. And, and abusing them in the jail, like I saw when I visited the D.C. jail, and then going after them and holding them and the, using the court system against them and the public defenders, defenders are against them, all because they hate President Trump and anyone that supports him. That is what communists do to their political enemies in communist countries. And there's so much more. We could go on and on. But the real truth is, is we've been a socialist country for decades now, Lou. That started a long time ago with these massive social spending programs. And the reality is Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, they all signed their name on communist membership cards uh, a long, long time ago, probably when they were in college where they accepted Marxist views and beliefs. And they're just now coming to the place where they're rearing their ugly heads and showing us exactly who they are. And then we have this short time in our history that we can stop it and change it. And and that's honestly why I'm not afraid to speak these things. Um, I'm more terrified of not speaking them and us not coming together to stop them. Most Americans can think for themselves. Most Americans want to think for themselves and act with maximum individual freedom, which is the purpose of that, uh, that constitution of ours. 
that uh, fundamentally we have a choice in this country and and we also have uh, a, a an American heritage of uh, responsibility and and taking responsibility for our decisions, our actions, and our choices. Uh, this is a, a country now in which that is less uh, less the uh, the reality. Uh, we're becoming collective in our thinking uh, and in the and the push from sometimes the propagandist uh, uh, national media, nearly always in point of fact, because they're corporatists and the corporatists are aligned with a, a globalist uh, elite system that is trying to submerge uh, sovereignty itself of this country. Uh, and uh, to, you know, I, I guess they think that it would be just a terrific idea to put the United Nations in charge of America and uh, and pat us on the head. It's where a lot of these Marxists and neo-Marxists are really trying to push the the country. Don't you think? Oh yes, I, and you're right. Talking about the large corporations, and that is what happens in communist countries: is the government aligns itself with these large corporations, and and then what happens? is a small businesses uh no one they go out of business no one can compete and they are globalists they want to make america part of the global economy and so that we're no longer a superpower they would love nothing more than to have the united nations in control so that we're all obeying the woke climate religion and and not doing anything to hurt the climate but going along and getting along to do you know completely end uh oil production natural gas production and here's the truth, though. This is what's going to happen with the Build Back Better bill and the infrastructure bill. The two of those together are the Green New Deal. And most people don't understand what the Green New Deal is all about. And that's why I always tell everyone, just take a, take a little bit of time. It won't take long. Go on house.gov and find the Green New Deal and read the bill itself, the actual bill text. It's only 14 pages, but it's the most radical piece of legislation I, I would ever say has been entered into our um, into our Congress, and that that bill is fully outlined in the infrastructure bill and Build Back Better. It's going to make us rely on China specifically for energy, and we cannot do that. China hates us. They are they dominate the battery market for electric vehicles with over eighty five percent of the market share, and America doesn't even compete with five percent of the market share. So we're in trouble, and this is what the Democrats want. They are globalists, and they're going to ruin our country and destroy our sovereignty and our independence very, very quickly. And I, I want to underline something, uh, Congresswoman, for our audience, too. Uh, right now on Wall Street, we're watching firms pushing American capital toward China. Uh, they are asking clients, uh, some of these firms, uh, to send their money uh, through investments and uh, newly formed uh, Chinese corporations. Uh, and that money leaves our markets and goes to the Chinese markets. And there it supports, and in many, many instances, supports companies with direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party uh, and the People's Liberation Army. It's outrageous. It's going on in just public view, uh, bald face, and with obvious consequences, which are just terrible to contemplate. Yet this president will do nothing to stop it. Donald Trump did. And you have to wonder where the allegiance uh, of this to this country is 
when it comes to Wall Street and to this administration as well to permit such activity to continue without even so much as a note. Uh, your thoughts? Well, we know where Wall Street's allegiance is. It's directly to their wallets and their bank accounts. And that's that's clear right away. Um, but for Joe Biden, his allegiance is to China. And he shows us every single day. I mean, never forget Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and his brother, James Biden, and all of their business deals they've done in foreign countries over these years, specifically in China. And Hunter Biden still is part owner of a company in China that no one wants to talk mm-hmm. about. But yet somehow Hunter Biden can sell his paintings that are worse than a a kindergartner's for like $500,000 and more. And it's just for people to buy influence of his daddy, who is the president of the United States. Joe Biden is undoubtedly in allegiance uh, and, and serving President Xi of China and serving America last because of these policies that he's creating. But anytime people are investing their money in businesses, that are in China or are partly owned by the CCP. It's the worst thing that we can possibly do. And have you ever noticed that that our country never demands fair treatment for American businesses when it comes with China? Any American business that does business over in China has to go by China's rules, where they have to sell their um, sell their intellectual property and sell part of their business to someone, a a Chinese resident or Chinese citizen that's, that is a member of the CCP. But yet when it goes the other way, China can do whatever they want in our country. You know, Mike Pompeo told us all in January, it was a group of a pretty big member, uh, member group of, of congressmen and women. And he told us that China has infiltrated our country on every level not just in our government and our universities, but in our businesses. They've infiltrated even in the school boards, uh, city, local, county, state governments. They are everywhere. And for, for the president of the United States to pass any kind of policies that help China, he's a traitor to our country, an absolute traitor. And he's not serving our people, and he's not serving and protecting the Constitution that he's sworn us to, to uphold and protect. You know, you're talking about the former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo uh, and and likely a a candidate uh, there in Kansas. Uh, The idea that we tried to get rid of the Confucius Institutes uh, within our universities uh, to get rid of the relationship between the same organization and many of our high schools in this country, it it hasn't been successful. Uh, They're still operating. They're still using their money, their funding, and their values uh, to create relationships with the heads of uh, whether it's a chemistry department at Harvard, uh, wherever it may be. It's ubiquitous. It's pervasive. It is an absolute threat to this nation, and it goes on without check. And we hear from the politicians, the elected officials in our country, just about exactly nothing. And that's outrageous. And the deep state is participating in the organization and the relationships that are built, uh, whether it's be in public health officials uh, in uh, China and virologists in Wuhan uh, and the medical uh, community, uh, particularly the public health community in this country. It's outrageous. And it goes on and on. 800,000 Americans killed by the uh, Wuhan virus. Uh, Dr. Fauci the other day slipped and called it the Wuhan virus after trying to get everybody to say COVID-19. I thought that was at least uh, uh, ironic. (laughs) But uh, the truth sometimes slips out. 
and we and we need to be hearing the truth in this country from every quarter. Uh, and I, I have to say again, Congresswoman, my compliments to you because uh, I don't hear us uh, an ounce of backup in your voice at all, and uh, uh, I respect that deeply. Well, thank you so much. But I just I hope more people will will stand up and more people will run for Congress that are are, are willing to say these things and follow them up with actions say the things that I'm saying and you're saying bravely. We don't have enough members of the press that are willing to say it. You know, in, in America, we have the freedom of press, but it's not the freedom to lie. And unfortunately, so many members of the press have forgotten what it is to be real journalists and and just take their stories to make money or to serve the the company, the big company that they work for instead of the truth. And that's such a shame, Lou. And so I'm always grateful that you have continued to to be um, willing to tell the truth, uh, even when it's not the popular thing to do, especially in your industry. But it is the the alignment between the United States and China that's the most dangerous thing for the American people and the entire world, really. Uh, after all, it was our tax dollars that funded COVID-19, which is a biological weapon in the Wuhan lab in China. And it's that alignment and that relationship through Dr. Fauci um, and, and the third party in China that made it possible that has killed all these people. But even furthermore, it's, it's the continuance of it. And it's not just the Biden administration. There's people in every state, Republicans and Democrats, that are completely bought into China and the money that they fund, like you're talking about with the Confucius Institute, uh, schools, universities, business relationships. You know, China works very hard to make good personal relationships in the business world between uh, American businesses and China. But what they're doing through their fake friendship is they're really conquering our country. And anyone that's willing to take their money and, and willing to sell out our states or our country uh, just for these relationships and the profit margin they make are really ruining America because it's these policies that sent all these jobs overseas, especially to China. Um, but other countries as well, Mexico, India, and many other countries have created the the just millions and millions of what I call forgotten men and women of the United States of America. And that is what has completely eroded rural America and small towns. And it's truly, it's truly a tragedy. Yeah, you know, Congressman, I, 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 I on this program, I, I remind everybody these supply chain disruptions. A lot of people are talking about that these days. And uh, the backup at our ports, and they said, you know, there's a very simple solution. It's got nothing to do with logistics. It's got nothing to do with anything very fancy or complex. If you don't outsource the good-paying American jobs to cheap foreign labor markets, if you don't offshore factories and plants uh, to those same cheap overseas markets, if you build those plants and those factories and those warehouses in this country and you keep those jobs in this country, Guess what? You won't have a supply disruption because you won't be dependent on a bunch of uh, uh, Chinese-owned container ships, which is the situation right now, or dependent upon China for 97% of our pharmaceuticals or all of our clothing. Uh, it's We are a dependent nation. Yes, President Trump achieved energy independence for America, but we were still and we still are very far from being an independent nation uh, that doesn't have to rely on outside production 
and critical national security strategic uh, resources. Uh, we have been abject fools, our leaders in particular, uh, to, uh, to tolerate uh, what has happened over the last three decades. I completely agree. Uh, it, it is it is so sad. You know, there's so many people that that are still upset with President Trump because they don't like the way he talks and they don't like his tweets and yep. they just are scared of that kind of language. But those are the Americans <laughs> that are really giving us a hard time because they're so spineless. You know, President Trump, you need a fighter and, and you need a fighter in there. And he has been a fighter and we know he'll come back and be a fighter for us once again. But that's what it takes. It takes fighters to protect yep. America and put our country first and, and solve these problems, just like you're talking about. It's so simple. If we manufacture and build and create things here in our country, we don't face these supply chain shortages and we don't face these problems. But, you know, it's going to take a fighter to restore us to that. And and I will tell you, Lou, I have some hope. I do. I think it's a short window of opportunity but I have hope um, that we can make it happen, but we have to be willing to fight for it instead of get offended with a strong words and, and maybe, maybe tweets that don't sound so nice. Exactly. Uh, you know, the idea that somebody would be complaining about uh, President Trump as being a quote unquote mean tweeter seems awfully silly <laughs> right now as we uh, watch what's happening uh, in China, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, in Taiwan uh, and the Middle East. Uh, please, please, Joe Biden, just one mean tweet to show us you really care. Uh, if you can stay with us just for a minute, I do want to talk about the January 6th political prisoners. You have been uh, at the forefront of keeping public attention on those people. Uh, and, and you're getting, I know, all sorts of uh, assault from left and right and every every quarter uh, for standing up uh, to speak the truth. Give us a sense of right now where we are, where those prisoners stand and their likely fates. Well, it's a very sad tragedy. And I, and I thank you for bringing that up. Not enough people are talking about it. You know, I'm one of the top targets of Nancy Pelosi's January 6th committee. I think we're going to see that ramp up next year. They've they've gone. Uh, they've told telecommunications companies to preserve the records of all the people that they're targeting, and they have 13 members of Congress on that list. And I happen to be one of them. Oh, but boy. Lou, I'll yeah, I'll tell you the truth though. I I don't I don't allow that to frighten me or stop me from standing up for these January 6 defendants who are being abused terribly in jail. They are, they're being treated like political prisoners of war. And anyone can go to my website, green.house.gov. Green has an E on the end, green.house.gov. And you can read the report uh, that I wrote from the D.C. jail, the tour. We were in there over three hours. And Congressman Louis Gohmert went with me and our staff. And we saw the entire jail. And then we had to argue and fight our way in because they weren't going to show us the January 6th defendants area. And, and we had to fight our way to get in there arguing with them. And they finally agreed, but we did go in and, and see the men being held there. Uh, some of them have been held since January. 
They are being held under a deputy warden. Her name is Kathleen Landerkin, who we uncovered on her own Twitter page, her radical extremist views, how much she hates President Trump, his supporters. Uh, she compl- she doesn't even agree with an electoral college. She wants it abolished. She believes in riots, but only BLM riots. Uh, she's a white woman, but she's racist against white people. And she's tweeted horrible things. And it's no wonder these men have been abused. They have been beaten. They have been denied medical treatment. They're not allowed to get haircuts. They're not allowed to shave. They're not allowed to have chapel uh, or religious services. They're denied communion. And they're denied seeing their attorneys uh, when they ask for them. They hardly ever see their attorneys. They have not seen their families' faces since they've been put in that jail. They can't even see them in person. And they were held in solitary confinement for months on end, uh, 23 hours a day. And then it went to 22 hours a day. Uh, The the conditions are atrocious and horrific in that jail. And they are being abused. They're, They're told they're white supremacists. They're told they have to denounce Trump. And then that's the way they're treated in the jail. And then they're treated worse by their public defenders if they can't afford an attorney. And many of them don't even have a court date yet. So they're supposed to be presumed innocent and until proven guilty. But yet they are being treated worse than any terrorist at Gitmo. And, and it's a two-tier justice system. And it is absolutely appalling. It's hard to imagine that you are describing something in the United States that's happening, let alone in the nation's capital. I, this is outrageous. We're, first, in your instance, being one of the 13, is the Republican leadership standing up for you? Bringing well, the power actually, of the party, at least, to bear for you? Because this well, is I a w- partisan attack, no matter what one wants to style it. Oh, you're right. No, you're 1,000% right. It is a partisan attack. And it has nothing to do with a riot, because if they cared about riots, they would care about the riots the American people endured for a year under Antifa and BLM domestic terrorists. They don't care about riots. They only care about themselves and defeating their political enemies. And again, this is why I call them communists. But yes, actually, of the 13, um, Kevin McCarthy's name is on that list, too. So it's not just the, uh, the rest of us are Freedom Caucus members. But his name is on there as well because, of course, they're political in nature, and he is the minority leader right now, so they'd like to take him down as well. But we're in for a big fight because just as they use Russian collusion and they lied about the Christopher Steele dossier and they lied about President Trump and attacked innocent people like General Flynn, Carter Page, and George Papadopoulos, um, now they're going after Steve Bannon. So you're going to see this. I mean, the American people need to get ready for what's going to happen. And it's going to ramp up in January. That is everything we've been told. It's going to ramp up in January. So not only will we be the target of their political witch hunt and their war, they're trying to take out their political enemies. These people, these people that are still being held in jail are suffering and languishing under an abusive abusive system that hates them. What can we do for them? There is, there are funds. There's one main fund. Um, now, I don't, uh, I will tell you because I'm trying not to be involved particularly in their cases. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to yeah. withdraw the question. And what yeah. I'm going to do is I want everybody listening to us right now, we're going to do some research. 
And when I say that, uh, there's a reason we're doing the research because it's uh, there are a lot of phony, baloney uh, funding groups that have you know, been formed that are only in it for themselves. I want to find the real honest to God group that, that is working on this. Uh, do you agree with me on that, Congresswoman? I do. I completely agree. I'm as a member of Congress, I'm trying to stay in my role. Yep. which as I, I objected against electoral college votes for Joe Biden, and I'll do it again if I ever have the chance, because I believe there was election fraud in the 2020 election. But in my role, I'm also standing up for the abuse that these people are going through. They deserve a fair trial for the crimes they've been charged with, but they don't deserve to be mistreated and abused. Well, I, I thank you uh, for everything you're doing in Congress. How long have you been in Congress now, Congresswoman? <laughs> um, 11 months I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I ask that is if you're amongst those, uh, anyone listening again to our voices who think one person can't do anything, uh, just take a look at Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You're making a difference and a wonderful difference indeed for this nation. Uh, I'm delighted you took time to be with us. I'd love to have you back as soon uh, and as frequently as uh, you wish uh, and uh, regularly and often, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, that's an invitation and uh, it's uh, wide open. We thank you for your time. You get the last word here. Oh, well, thank you. And I will be happy and thrilled to come back so that we can continue having these important conversations for your listeners and American patriots all over the country that, that love our freedoms and, and care about stopping the injustices that are happening. So I really thank you so much for doing this interview with me. And I hope your listeners will, will share it and, and also continue to support me. Um, my website is mtgforamerica.com, mtgforamerica.com. I definitely need the support because I'm literally under President Trump. I'm the top target of the Democrats uh, going into the switch hunt and going into the election cycle next year. We guarantee you that uh, that address will be prominent as will your name. Thanks so much. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, a great American. Thank you. Great talk. Thank to you. you. You too. Bye-bye. Is she not something? Is she not who we're waiting for? You better believe it. And so are you. You know, it's she's a wonderful inspiration. And you think one person can't get something done? She's getting it done. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.